I'm joined now by Gary from OPC Energy. Gary, what a job you did out there today. Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. You saw the customers' faces when that boiler went in. It was a really special moment. And what about the overall performance? Unreal. You, you could really feel the heat out there. I'm delighted with the result and we move on to the next one. Thanks, Gary. Come on! For more information on boiler upgrades, heat pumps and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. Get ahead of the game with OPC Energy. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. Still go on the managerial merry-go-round with situations vacant at eight SPFL teams. In fact, I think I've just made that nine. Celtic, Dundee United, Ross County, Dunfermline, Inverness Cali Thistle, Alloa, Falkirk, Dumbarton, and uh, as of course has happened in the last few days, Kelty Hearts, and one of our own has uh, departed the hot seat. I think I've been watching too much Line of Duty, uh, to be perfectly honest. Barry has departed and seems set to be the new gaffer at Alloa, so one of those jobs could be filled. Uh, but Crags, it's all happening. It's incredible, Rob. The shelf life of a manager seems to be getting shorter. Uh, I don't know if it's fans discontent with some of the moves that they're not happy with the team are playing the social media aspect comes into it board members will read social media uh, owners will, will check on social media I just wonder is the pressure too much because you know fans being inside stadium you can normally hear the noise but because they haven't been inside the stadium I think they've been taken to the social media channels just a little bit more on some occasions but uh, who would want to be a manager put it that way well, it seems like Tommy Wright will be staying on as the Kilmarnock gaffer uh, despite losing their top league place for the first time in nearly 30 years. Congratulations to Dundee, who are back in the Premiership uh, in the playoff final. Uh, the Dark Blues, John Hartson, blew Kilmarnock away, didn't they? Yes, they did. I was, uh, I was disappointed in Kilmarnock, I have to say, uh, on a night where... I actually fancied them to turn it around, you know, being at home on their pitch. Um, we spoke about their front players on the previous night or a couple of previous nights when we spoke about the game in depth. Um, but I just didn't think, I thought they got they got a shock early on. Dundee came flying out of the tra- traps. Um, Mullen put them in front, of course. It was terrible, terrible marking. Um, it was for, shocking, wasn't it? Shocking marking uh, for for uh, Dundee's second goal. Um no, 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 nobody picking anybody up at all. It was absolutely shocking. And on a night that was so important to do your jobs right, and then they go into a 2 0 lead, and, and Kilmarnock had to react. Then they had to get one back. They were four-one down on aggregate. They've got to get one back before half time. Didn't really show any quality. Did they look like scoring? Not really. I thought. I thought Kyle Lafferty had his worst game in a Kilmarnock shirt. You know, it's not Kyle's fault. By the way, they've gone down. He's been magnificent mm. since going there. But I just felt, you know, that bit of over-reliance on your main man. Um, and everything he tried, it just didn't quite come off. Um, I thought they dealt with him really well. Dundee defensively, they, they limited him to any opportunities. Everything just seemed to be a yard in front of him or a yard behind him. And on such a big occasion, he needed to play exceptionally well. I know he tucked his penalty away uh, well in the second half mm. to make it 4-2, but I just felt... You know, Dundee, they did really well because I just think they, they saw the game out well. They passed the ball. They frustrated Kilmarnock. They they took that little bit of extra time when they needed to. 
um, and thoroughly to go, deserve to go through over the, over both ties, in my opinion. They absolutely cruised at Crags, didn't they? Which, which was a real surprise. Mm. I mean, two one definitely flattered Kilmarnock in the in the first yeah. leg. I think the the differential could have been much bigger after after that game. Um, and last night, I mean, for me, it was a pretty dodgy penalty. I wasn't convinced at yeah. all that it was a penalty no. for Kilmarnock, and that was probably the only way they were going to get a goal. Yeah, I think it's such a big night for every individual. You know, when you're playing for a football club, you're carrying the, you know, the pressure on the, of the supporters and the board and the manager to try and keep your club up. But I just thought they, they were so inept. You know, for such a huge game, for Dundee to be hungrier than them. You know, Dundee even in the first leg, you said it, Rob. You know, deserved probably should have been out of sight in the first game. And I just felt that late goal in the first game, that Hunstrup goal. You think to yourself, is that the little bit of luck they needed? Is that the direction they needed? The change they needed for them to really kick on in the second leg? But 12 minutes in last night, Dundee were sharper, they were vibrant. Kilmarnock were hoping something would happen. Dundee went out and made something happen. And, you know, Tommy Wright said it after, if you conclude the 38 league games plus the two uh, playoff games, 40 games, they've lost 24 of 40, which is an incredible record. Two seasons ago, they finished third, best of the rest. And within two seasons, a lot of the players still there, they get relegated. You know, they're an aging squad at the best of times. Colin Doyle, 35 in goal. Lee Power, Kurt Broadfoot, uh, Chris Burke, Gary Dicker, Kai Lafferty. You know, they're an aging squad. Yeah. But I just felt they would have had one big performance in them. And they didn't when it really mattered. And I think that's the, the most hurtful thing for Tommy Wright. You could see after he was biting his tongue not to be too critical. But he was embarrassed with that performance. And yeah. Kilmarnock didn't put up a fight. Well, this, this, this was his uh, post-match reaction. Shock, disappointment. Well, maybe I shouldn't be shocked with it. When you see the goals that we're giving away the night again. The first goal is ridiculous. We've gifted them three goals. I must say Dundee have been better over the two the two legs. I mean, from our throw in, we're, we just throw it straight to Charlie Adam, knocks a long ball with a 2v1. I mean, we're not even strong enough. Just deal with it. Basic, I mean, I said when I come in that the biggest problem that we had here was we didn't do the basics well. And that's continued. Raised its head. Went away a wee bit when we did a decent run. But it's raised its head again in these two playoff games. John, I felt for the Kilmarnock fans. I mean, it was it was tragic irony, wasn't it? That, that that was their first visit to Rugby Park for so long, 500 of them, and it was an absolute horror show. Well, it was, and it, it's the start. You know, you, you've got to defend properly from set pieces. Um, and Ashcroft was, was totally unmarked. Well, that, that is Sunday league stuff. Broad, Broadfoot and Rossi were tripping over each other yeah, in the six-yard yeah, box. And, it was comic cuts, but wasn't the first it? goal, the first goal Dundee scored was a brilliant goal. By the way, I worked with yeah, young Josh Mullen at Livingston before he moved on to no, Saint Mirren. Danny, Danny, sorry, Danny, Danny Mullen. Mullen yeah. uh, Josh Mullen was the other one who went to Ross County. The That's winger. right. Yeah. He's back at Livy now. I believe. Yes, he yeah. is. So Danny was there. He was a young boy, and uh, I worked worked quite a lot with him actually. He was a really good listener. He wanted to get better, and. Um, I think he'd sort of ran his race a little bit at Livingston. They'd, they'd played him. But also, um, St. Mirren were going well. They won the league under Jack Ross. And it was a good move for him, so Livingston let him go. But uh, I thought the way he took his goal last night, but the ball, the it's just, pass... It's just lumped up the pitch by Charlie Adam, isn't it? No, but the, the pass from Paul McGowan was exceptional. Yeah. In terms of drawing the defender and then the weight of pass to allow... Danny Mullen to go and hit that first time. People underestimate that weight of pass. Mm. Um, and then, as I said, that was 1-0 after five minutes or whatever it was, and then 2-0. And all of a sudden, you know, you're deflated. You, you feel like you've got a mountain to climb. And it's so important then that you get one back just to give Tommy Wright that little 10 minutes or half time to say, look, mm. 
we've got a goal back. It's back to four two. Another couple of goals, and we you know we, we're well we're well in this game. But they didn't even come out. They huffed and puffed. They probably had a bit more possession than Dundee in the second half. They tried. You know, I, I thought the endeavour was there, but the lack of quality um, from Kilmarnock they showed. You know, for for a team that have been playing in the Premiership all year, and as Tommy said there, if you don't do the basics in football. If you don't do the basics right, you know, then then you're gonna you're gonna lose games. I guess we're talking again now about artificial pitches, aren't we? Because we've lost two uh, from the Premiership with Hamilton going down and now Kilmarnock as of last night. It means that Livingston are the only team left in the top 12 uh, who don't play on grass crags. Uh, and of course, an 11-1 vote is required, isn't it, to to vote them out? I, you know, I, I think that was the, the the online story in one of the one of the tabloids before I came in. I had read that, and I wouldn't be surprised if the top flight clubs get together and ask for the vote because Livingston, you know, you said are the only top flight club now with an artificial surface. So it would be, certainly be a good way of, of changing the you know logistics of what you need to get into the top flight. It would put a little bit you know a lot of pressure on the likes of Hamilton and Kilmarnock if they got promoted. But ultimately, the top flight clubs and listen, I've said all along, I, I'm. I'm not a great lover of it. I think I've watched enough games on it as of you to think, you know, that there's not many good ones. They're a bit slow and, you know, the ball doesn't bounce true. Uh, so I think the football cynics out there will be thinking, now's a good opportunity. I wouldn't be surprised if the big two look to try and push this forward a little bit more because they'll, you know, be unhappy having to go and play in the AstroTurf surfaces. So it could be a double whammy for Kilmarnock and for Hamilton going down and poor Livingston are having to stand in the loan. But you said 11 1, it has to be. Yeah. You know, with them being the only one left, Rob. You know, I wouldn't be surprised at that. But, you know, we've said previously about the teams in you know, the top flight and, uh, you know, the, the kind of bottom six, seven in the top four or five of the championship is not a big difference in quality, yeah. really, is there, between the teams? But I certainly didn't think Dundee were going to be that much better than what Kilmarnock were. And I think Tommy Wright was shell-shocked, wasn't he? You even heard him in that interview. He was... He didn't know what to talk about. And you saw him during the game slumped back oh. in his seat. I mean, he was... You know, Tommy's normally standing in yeah. the technical area almost on the pitch, isn't he? Right on top of the team. But actually... After those two quick fire goals went in, he sat down, slumped back yeah. in the seat, and it just told the whole story, didn't it? It sucked the life out of the team, sucked the life out of Tommy. And he's probably looking around in the pitch and thinking, We've no inspiration. We don't have anyone on that pitch who can grab the game with the scruff of the neck and go and get at a team. Kyle's got himself some goals, he's done really well, but mm. ultimately, it's a centre forward, you need supply. You know, you need quality. You can't just throw the ball forward. He yeah. ended up changing the shape their back three. But Kirk Broadfoot was like playing left wing at times. He's crossing the ball into the box. And that's when James McPeak and Dundee must have thought, well, this is where we're comfortable. Mm -hmm. You know, we've got a left, a, a right-footed centre-half player in the left crossing the ball in from 40 yards trying to hurt us. And all they'd done was stand and head the ball away. So, I mean, Dundee, you've got to say, you know, it was terrific credit to James McPeak. Yeah. You know, a young manager. The first thing he had to do in management was rebuild a club and a culture and a confidence because he was in charge when they went down. It was Jim McIntyre who was in charge when they got relegated, but he took the last couple of games. They didn't get up last season. And I just wonder if he hadn't have won that game last night, would he be still in a job today? You know, that's how big it was for Dundee to get back to the top flight. So he took all that pressure on, terrific. And this was James afterwards. Oh, look, I'm delighted for every member of staff, every player and every fan, obviously. It feels great. It's it's a fantastic achievement. It's what we set out to do at the start of the season. It's not been plain sailing by any means, but there's been a real spirit. There's been a real desire for a, over the, the two years to, to get this club out the back, back to the Premiership. And that's... 
that's massive credit to, to John and Tim and the board as well. Massive credit to them because they back the managers. And I, as I say, I can confidently come out and say that because I've been here through all the managers and I've seen it. And tonight's a just reward for them as well. But look, it's all for the players. They're the ones that, over the two legs, that were the underdogs, were the ones that had no chance. Thoroughly deserved to win both games. They do play on grass uh, in Dundee. Mm. Uh, they've absolutely wiped Kilmarnock off the face of the earth in the in that in that playoff final. And I think they'll have big ambition, big ambitions as well. And they, and they carry a good support, John, when when they're going well. Um, it feels good to have Dundee back in the in the top flight, doesn't it? And, and of course, we've got the derby back. Got the derby, and James McPake, I think, has done very well. Let's not forget how comfortable they got through Wraith as well in the yeah, that's in, right. in the semi final yeah. of the playoffs. Um, but I just want to touch we'll go on to James as well obviously give him credit like he deserves it and I wish them well Dundee I like Dundee uh, as a football club but going back to the, the plastic pitches right the artificial surface there's an argument for the, the smaller clubs Livingston get no crowds right mm-hmm. um, Hamilton get no crowds no disrespect only when the big boys go there they get an half decent crowd okay like the heart at the Hibs Hearts next season Celtic Rangers so there's an argument that they've got to bring their money in somewhere and it's okay for the the top six clubs or whatever to say oh, we don't like this artificial pitch we don't I don't like it mm-hmm. I don't like that surface I think football should be played on grass right but you can rent that pitch out 365 days a year yeah. to local businesses you can make serious amounts of money you can local football clubs can hire it out under the lights evening times you can make fortunes over the course of 12 months by having that pitch. Yeah. And you're going to take that financially away well, well, I, from I wouldn't, these clubs. But I, I wouldn't take it away. I would... I would I, I think yeah, you just said you're looking for 11 to 1 yeah, vote yeah, to yeah, get rid no, of it. No, but, I, no, but I, what I'm saying is that mm. I think the SPFL should enforce it. I just think that should be a regulation. That if you play in the Premiership, you play in a grass pitch. And that means Livingston yeah. don't have to pay to replace it. The SPFL fund them. The SPFL effectively buy Livingston a grass pitch. So they play in grass. They still have the artificial yeah, they're surface. Not gonna, they're, at, they're not, not going to pay them like a couple of grand every week or whatever they bring in to, to, to rent it out they make an awful lot of money that's one mm. of the reasons why they bring these pitches in yeah. to, to rent them out it, do, it, it doesn't have an effect on the pitch now, I've got to say on record I, I don't like the pitches I th- I'm, I'm with you mm. but I've also got an argument for the Hamiltons and the Kilmarnocks yeah. uh, they've I'm been very you. successful look at Steve Clark. he don't yeah. want to get rid of that pitch mm. No. look at that look at for, you know when he was they finished yeah. third um, but if you're to be taken seriously yeah. in, in I agree with John I, European I, I football, get that. I, think but so. I just you think know. you can't take that opportunity for the yeah. smaller okay. clubs, if you like, to get that extra little bit of cash flow into the club so they can pay their players a bit more money. Because as I said, no disrespect, Rob, they yeah. don't get a lot of no, crowds. I know that. I know. But is it unrealistic to think that a club can have a grass pitch and an artificial pitch on which they're going to make some money with bringing the community in and charging rent for the pitches? What do you mean? Outside the ground, then we yeah. have one you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. Just part, as part of the club setup. As part of the club setup. Yeah. Listen, I, but, you, but you don't play your yeah. Premiership games on Correct. it. Correct. Listen, I'm with John. I think it, you know, for the clubs, it, it keeps them going. Mm. It, it definitely Does. brings in the finance. But ultimately, you're right, Rob. If we want to be taken seriously and you want to get top quality football matches and you want the best you possibly can, then I think the grass is there. Now, their argument will be that the weather turns and the weather changes mm. and grass games get called off and the pitch gets dug up. I know in Holland certainly, in the Netherlands, I think we had the last season, the season before, where they. The teams who qualified for Europe give up a bit of money 
give it up a bit of their cash and give it to the clubs who had the AstroTurf pitches and they turned it back into grass. But Craig's, it's, you know not, I mean? it's, not so, like, it's not like the old AstroTurf pitch that were like carpet. It was no. like carpet. Nowadays, it's, it's a 4G. Mm. It's like it's it's half sort of AstroTurf and half grass. No, it's the hybrid pitches. I yeah, like that. Yeah, do you know what I mean? But so the 4G ones aren't 4G or just AstroTurf a full way. Are they? Yeah. Well, it's it's the they play rugby on them as well, don't they? Yeah, they they do. play rugby as they well. So, but there's no doubt uh, the clubs that have got a 4G pitch has a huge advantage because they're training on it every day. And then they know the bounce of the ball. They know what footwear mm. to, to use when it comes to the games. And then you've got other clubs yeah. then going there two or three times a year and they generally struggle. So yeah. it definitely gives the clubs with that 4G yeah. pitch a major opportunity to go and win the football matches as well because they, they know the, the level of what type of, you know, the bounce of the ball, they train on it, you know, so they're educated on that pitch. Yeah. But uh, top leagues don't play on artificial no. pitches. And I, oh, I don't and know. I th- and I think there's a couple in um, Russia. Don't Spartak yeah. Moscow yeah, that, play on the Presumably pitch. because of severe weather. Yeah, would be. I, I, I don't would, know if I would, it is. I, would, I mean, I know weather's not great, but, yeah. but we're not well, quite... you can't think of the main uh, leagues. You, you know, you think of uh, yeah, Serie A the and, Premier League. and the French, the Premier League. You know, they don't do it. I'm not saying we're going to be up to that standard, but... Yeah, yeah just but think the Premier I, League, the, the, the levels of the, yeah, the finance the down there yeah. are just totally on a different stratosphere. And I'm just thinking sometimes with this 4G pitch... You know, the smaller clubs. You can't just dismiss no. the amount of money they bring. Because no, as I, I, as I no, mentioned no, again... No, yeah. you're right. Yeah. You're right. And, and we're going to keep on with that debate, actually. It's got us going. And it is it, it, it is a recurring theme, isn't it? Mm. We do talk about it a lot in Scottish football. Uh, what is the answer? I wonder. We're going to continue uh, the football discussion after this. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. Tuesday with the Go Radio Football Show, Glasgow's own... With OPC Energy Limited, Rob McLean, Stephen Craig and John Hartson are here at your service. Get involved in the, the football chat. Might be about Kilmarnock on the way down out of the top flight in Scottish football. The first time in 28 years replaced by Dundee. Well done to the Dark Blues. And they thoroughly deserve it. As John rightly pointed out, uh, they put Wraith away in the semi-final of the playoffs with a great gusto. And uh, they certainly wiped the floor with Kilmarnock in the final 4-2 it was. And it wasn't a scoreline that flattered James McPake and his team. So it will be Dundee in the Premiership. And uh, of course, it does uh, turn the focus again on artificial surfaces. We were speaking in fairly heated fashion about it uh, just before the break. And of course, it is a recurring theme, isn't it? We talk about it a lot in Scottish football, but two plastic pitches have vanished in the course of the last couple of weeks with Hamilton automatically relegated from the Premiership. And uh, Kilmarnock, as of last night, uh, another artificial surface has gone from the top flight. So only Livingston, uh, now in the top 12, uh, don't play on grass. Let's talk to Derek. Hi, Derek. Hey, good evening. Good evening, panel. Hi, Derek. Uh, <laughs> uh, I phoned in last night and I said I hope Kilmarnock, and I thought Kilmarnock uh, would go down. Uh, I just don't like the plastic pitches at all, Rob. And how many players over the years are they actually injured? And yeah. Rangers and Celtic, you don't get a good game of football on them. Is this With a, Rangers it, and Celtic, they seem to always struggle on it. And I, the, the, I don't think there's another big league that would, would allow it. Yeah. Do, 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 Manchester City would, uh, would play it with a plastic pitch maybe against a Cardiff or something like that. No, they wouldn't agree with it. Do you take John Hartson's point, Derek, about the commercial aspect here and that clubs uh, like Livingston and Hamilton... 
uh, make a lot of money off the artificial surface. It's part of the community and it's part of their, a big part of their turnover as well. But at the end of the day, football should be played in grass, not, not artificial grass. Yeah. And they, know, they should know the rules before they come up. If they can't afford it, they shouldn't be allowed in the league. Yeah, and I think that's that's my point really. I think it just should be a rule, a regulation, mm. John. That that's the way it is in the Premiership in Scotland, and and you have to get yourself sorted. Yeah, well, I'm with Derek. I I, I don't like these pitches. I came through on one at Luton as, as a schoolboy in Kenilworth Road. Yeah, Kenilworth mm. Road. Okay, the pitches are slightly better now. The the artificial is, is that much thicker, uh, makes it easier to play on. Um, in terms of the injuries as well, they, they have tried to improve the artificial pitches. Um, is that less of an issue now? Is, yeah. Are injuries on artificial? I mean, it used to be there used to be a lot of talk about you know if you if you if you had any sort of recurring well, knee they, problems, well, they you play wouldn't... rugby on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they play rugby on these pitches yeah. now. Yeah, I just... can I, can I, another point here, Rob. Yeah, uh, get away from the artificial pitches altogether. See with so many jobs in Scotland, like Dumbarton, Alloa, Dundee United, Celtic, Celtic. <laughs> but, but John or Stephen not think of applying for any of the jobs? Yeah, we're trying to get rid of you. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, <laughs> what about the dream team, Hartson and Craig? What, what stays in the studio, Derek? What what happens in the studio actually stays in the studio. So, uh, you know, a good friend or colleague of ours, Barry Ferguson, up until two days ago. Who knew what he was doing? You know, Barry was quietly going about the playoffs. You know, they've done fantastically well, um, you know, to go up a level. And nobody knew. Nobody knew what Barry's plans were. So, listen, you know, I, I would imagine personally, yes, you know, I would love to, to manage at some stage. Craig's might not have this. I don't know. But certainly, you know, to the respect of how things are and putting things out there in the media, you know, that's probably inappropriate that, you know, I actually go on, you know, go on air and say, this is who I'm talking to, mm. this is what, because it, it'd be disrespectful yeah. to, to the, to the you know, the potential club that you want to join, so, or you're talking to. But you're, you're in the market, there's no doubt about uh, yeah, it. Yeah, well, I've been in the market for a while. Um, you know, you just need that opportunity, you need a break. Um, you know, some some players, they've been at it for several years. They, they, they you know, look at Callum Davidson. You know, he's uh, did great. He had five or six years under Tommy Wright. You know, so he cut his teeth. He really wanted to learn before he actually took, you know, the 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 role as a number one himself. And look how well he's done. Yeah. Um, so you can jump in too early, or, or you can go on be an assistant and learn and, and do it that way if you like. Everybody's different. And if you're James McPake at the age of 36, mm. you've taken Dundee back to the the Premiership. Yeah, it's getting younger, isn't it? You know, mm. players are looking at it as a as a way in. I think clubs are maybe just thinking, you know, a player's been here for a while. You know, he knows the fabric of the club. Is it worthwhile to try a young manager? And certainly with James McPake, it worked. Um, you know, he'll have learned an awful lot in his two years. I said the disappointment of relegation, not getting up last year, things being cut short, and then having to rebuild the squad this year again, capable of going up. And, you know, Dundee only finished second on the last day of the season. They won against Queen of the South, and I think uh, Wraith Rovers lost at home against Hearts 4-0. So, you know, they missed out in those mm. two games, those two extra games. But, um, so, listen, it, it's, it's, uh, there's plenty of good jobs up. I'm quite content with I'm doing it at the minute you know I, I, I plot along do my stuff if that changed in the future then maybe but I don't imagine there'll be too many people chatting my door and asking 
me to be their manager. So uh, at, at this moment in time, I'll just sit. But behind, you had success. Uh, you, had, you had success with the with David Turnbull yeah. and Co. Yeah, uh, at Rob, he yeah. never stops yeah. talking about yeah. success with David Turnbull. <laughs> Why do you think no, he just, wants just, to well, just 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 him up again? That's a Sammy Craig. Getting weighed in for that. To be fair, he was just he was just one of the fifteen that made their debut when I was there. Listen, that's the bit I enjoyed working with young players. I really yeah. did. Mm. But just back onto the point with plastic pitches, I just had a look. John was talking earlier and saying that you know they have an advantage. Hamilton won five games away from home and two games at home throughout mm. the season. Livingston picked up more points away from home yeah. than they did at home. Yeah. Kilmarnock won more games at home than they did it away, so they were the one outside that. So you don't necessarily always get no. that advantage. And then we're talking about injuries. You talk about rolled ankles, you know, because your studs are up off the ground. Your studs are nothing to go into. You know, you're sharp turning this. You know, the movement of the ball, the pace of the ball, all these things play a part. And I think for players to go, I mean, some players don't even play on it. Some players no, I, I, I'm one million percent with you. I don't like these pitches. I don't like the surface. Go through a few set pieces on a Friday, yeah. you know, and walk around the pitch and get yourself in positions where the manager wants, whether you're marking zonal or, or picking up, you know, uh, individually. But to play competitive football and to get on your backside and make tackles and... And the surface is not for football. I agree, but my big point is the smaller clubs yeah, make an awful lot of money by by having them. But you know, also, also a manager trying to build a squad, I think he cut your player potential in half because some players say, "Well, no, I'm not going there. I'm not." Only depends what you're paying him, correct? Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> you know, if it was the difference of a hundred quid or hundred and fifty quid a week, mm. I don't. I, I think players would go to grass. Yeah. I think they say, "Forget that." You know, mm. train on it every single day, playing on it every second week. And there's no long-term study of what it does to your body further in the line. We don't know that yet because the pitches haven't been in long enough mm. or someone hasn't been at a club long enough to do that. But it'll be interesting to see if there's any repercussions of injuries or issues, Rob, later <coughs> in life. You, you were talking about those home records on artificial turf not being what they were. Would that have something to do with uh, home advantage really not meaning that much yeah. in the last year or so yeah, be because there were no crowds in? Possibly, you know, I think that's got a part to play in it as well. But you think if you've got that big an advantage, you train on the surface every day and you know it, you know, I suppose it boils down to quality of player as well, doesn't it? You know, what your capabilities are, what squad you have, uh, you know, what kind of talent you have in your team. And Hamilton and, and, and Kilmarnock have come up short this year. I was you a little know, bit surprised, you know, you look, at, you look at pitches and maybe is, is where, where they're situated as well in terms of maybe the drainage and things like that. Because um, some pitches are a lot worse than others. I can remember Motherwell was in a desperate state yeah. a few years back. They couldn't do anything with that pitch. Mm. And by the time you got to Christmas or January, it was a cow field. And, that, and now it's a but cracker. You, but you just wonder whether Motherwell went through that sort of process and what if we put plastic 4G no. pitch and we won't have any problems but obviously they decided no. to continue with well, the grass well they just spent money in their pitch well mm -hmm. there you go they, they invested money that needed yep. invested in uh, yeah. and that's what they've got now is a perfect pitch mm -hmm. you get what you pay for well, uh, with players yeah. and pitches yeah, now why do these clubs do it then? well they do it for the revenue of course, money. Yeah. Well, of course they do but then but if they knew before they put it in or if they get relegated if, if they knew now to come back up you've got to go to grass then they can put wheels in motion, you can put plans in place as the season goes on next year. Come on, and Hamilton, if they're doing well towards the top of the table, then they can, you know, they will have to think yeah, about but it, they allowed, in it. They allowed it in. Why kick it out? What right have they got now to kick it out if they allowed it in? Because they're not in the top flight and it can be voted properly. I think now clubs have had a feel for it. They think, you know, I, I'm, I'm not too sure they want it. And if it goes to a vote, I wouldn't be surprised 11 1. Yeah, and it is the SPFL, so <laughs> anything, anything, uh, anything could happen. To be honest, but but yeah, I mean there are practical problems with it in that uh, if you're Hamilton next season and you win the championship, 
then and you get to the end of the season, then you, suddenly you've got to find a grass pitch inside a couple of months mm. to, to start the new season in the Premiership because Premiership's got to be played on grass. So, I mean, so there are situations like that that could, yeah, that could I'll, arise. I'll make an interesting point as well, Rob. Hamilton train on it every day. They play on it every other week. So is it a problem then for Hamilton when they go and play on a grass pitch? Because they're so used mm. to playing on that artificial surface. So, or maybe get, you know, they get a lift from yeah. playing on grass. Well, they won five games away from home. They've got to change what, what, you know, obviously yeah. change their boots. Well, that's a cost as well. That's a cost of a training facility. Yeah. You know, you're talking of individual costs. The clubs then would have to train away from the ground and invest more money in. So I get it for smaller clubs and teams below the top flight. Mm. I, I just think for our top flight to be uh, the best it possibly can and for viewers to switch in from abroad and watch it or we're trying to attract new supporters, if it's on grass, I just think it's a better product. And I think that's your point, Derek, isn't it? It's a credibility issue for Scottish football. Derek? Ah, we seem to have lost Derek. But, I mean, it, 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 is, it is all about credibility, isn't it? Because other leagues will look in and, you know, some, some games, are most games are on grass, but some well, games are, are on plastic. This is the top league. We're morning, meant to be Rob? taken seriously. Who's, who's moaning? Who's moaning about what? About plastic pitches. Well, no, I, th- I think it's just a... I know, but who's, yeah, well, who's, who's, big, brought, who's brought this up? Well, I would imagine it'll be brought up by the clubs. Now it will be. Well, it's becoming a, it's becoming an issue I'm because, not, because now there's only mention one... about get rid of the plastic pitches. No, but I think the ca- I, I can see the campaign growing now because there's only one. Why? Why is the campaign? Well, it's not grown up until now. It's yeah, not been mentioned yeah, because because they couldn't get rid of them because there was three in the top flight, and if they went to a vote, it would end up being nine three. Yeah, there was. It was, so a, there was no quarter, possibility of ever happen. A quarter of the league played on artificial yeah. pitches until this season when Hamilton and Kilmarnock both went down. So now there's only one pitch, one on pl- one on plastic would and it, 11, not, 11 on grass. Would it not be a bit harsh to take that financial sort of, um, you know, financially what the clubs can get from it, you know, the smaller clubs? Because as I mentioned, they don't get much revenue through the gate. Mm. Would it be harsh if the well, other if the I other would be. were would to be. put them down? And but I think if you're Scottish football, you protect these clubs, you look after it, yeah. you manage the situation. You know, you make sure you mm. know that that the clubs aren't going to lose out financially on it because it's a an SPFL ruling. It, you know, it's it, but there's the, no the, ruling. There's no ruling in place right now. No, there's not. No, no, okay. no there's not. But but anything can be voted on, mm. uh, and and that think, that could yeah, be voted on. That, that's your key point. Is they need help. You so know, we, we, around, we have started support. this off then on this radio show. We no, have started it was mentioned. It was mentioned in, in an online column by someone at one of the tabloid papers. I noticed okay. today. But you agree with it, John? You you. I don't you, like that. I don't agree with it. No. No, but no, you're supportive that that top games in Scotland should be played on grass. Yes, I don't like the plastic pitches, but as I said, I, I wouldn't want to see clubs going out of business if they lose, you know, that a particular plastic pitch because of the amount of revenue and the amount of leasing of the stadium that you could that you can, you know, financially, you know, get your club in a little bit of a secure place. That was my point. Yeah. Um I wouldn't want to see a club going under or struggling to bring in players of decent quality. Because of the, the amount of money that they raise through yeah. through leasing the, the pitch out. That's what I wouldn't want to see on a personal level because I feel for the smaller clubs. But also, I, I don't like that surface. I'm not saying, you know, I've got nothing, you know, I'm not in favour of it whatsoever. Mm. But I can understand the implications of why, you know, Livingston, if, if there's no Hibs there or if there's no Celtic or Rangers there, you have a look at their crowds. 
yeah. know, when I was there coaching in the championship, there's crowds of like 275 people. Mm. You can't pay the, you know, you can't get get through on that. No. And and then obviously the artificial pitch comes into play, and I would imagine that it's probably leased out every night of the week. Yeah. No, I mean that that matters, no doubt about it. Mm. The 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 financial health of these clubs. Uh, certainly matters, but then the credibility of Scottish football matters as well. Uh, mm. And and if and clubs uh, look down their nose from out with these borders uh, at a top league in this country that plays some games on grass and some games on on plastic. It might be the only chance they get to have a vote on it because if Kilmarnock or Hamilton come up next year, yeah. then they'd be back. To <laughs> do it one. quickly. So, so I wouldn't be surprised if Wheels are put in motion to try and have these conversations. But we mm. said there. The clubs then who come up have to be supported. It can't just be, you know, you have to go and do it yourself. Good luck, all the best. There has to be something, some sort of procedure put in place that, you know, there's a bit of help and support and financial input to allow them to get to the standard they want to get to. But will there be? Well, I, exactly, but I think there should be. Mm. You know, is it a case of the teams in Europe sacrificing a little bit of money and putting it in their pot? Oh, what a good idea. Mm. Won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking football till seven. The Go Radio Football Show Talking football first Listen live weeknights from five Stephen Craig and John Hartson and Rob McLean Doing the talking on a Tuesday night The Go Radio Football Show with OPC Energy Limited Just heard uh, a clip of Mark Guidi From last night's show there uh, Saying Callum Davidson Is manager of the season in Scottish football is it Callum Davidson for that double cup success which was absolutely phenomenal or was it Steven Gerrard turning around the balance of power and uh, beating Celtic by 25 points landing the title for Rangers for the first time in 10 years what do you think John? Well I think without sitting on the fence too much um, I think they've both been um, fantastic achievements from, from both men I think for Stephen to win his first trophy um, in the league, Invincibles, League Invincibles, um, Callum Davidson to to have won both cups, you know, extraordinary with with, with a club like St Johnson, take nothing away. They got really good players and uh, they've earned it in terms of the way they've played, the way they've took on the both finals as well. They've been very, very good, well worthy of winning the cups. Um, so, listen, Mark's got a point. I think if. If if the, the the votes were were now rather than a couple of months ago, I think Callum Davison would have a lot would have had a lot more votes to have made it interesting. Um but I don't think you can really, you know, take the achievement of what Steve Gerrard's done at Rangers. You know, we, we know what was at stake. Mm. Um and obviously um the satisfaction that would have given him um, you know, winning his winning the league at Rangers, it, it meant as much to Rangers to stop the ten as what it did for Celtic to get the ten in a row. Um, so, as I said, uh, I think it's it's one out there for a debate. I would I would probably still have to go with Steven Gerrard. What do you think? Yes, you out there. Oh eight oh eight seventeen seventeen seven hundred. Text go on your message to eight seventy four seventy four on the socials. It's at Go Football Show. Is it Callum Davidson? Is it Steven Gerrard? Stephen Cregan, what do you think? Well, there's no real preference. You know, both have earned the right to get it. I mean, the way you look at Callum's is it's that will never be repeated, I would imagine, again. A club outside Rangers and Celtic. And if it is, you know, it's going to be a long, long well, the, way the last, the last club was Aberdeen, was Aberdeen in, the, in the 80s. But, but they were but a good that, side. that was a massive club. Yeah, at the and time. they were a top side pushing yeah. for trophies. So, you know, you can look at it, and especially, you know, having played at a smaller club most of my career, understanding the budget, work behind the scenes at a smaller club when you see what money they're getting paid, um, you know, the, the budget constraints, facilities at times. 
But ultimately, you know, both managers had pressure for different reasons. You know, Callum's probably was to stay in the league and make sure, you know, try and get them up the league. So to get what he got to was incredible. But I don't think you can underestimate the pressure Stephen Gerrard was under this season. Mm. His job was on the line. I think, he, I think we're talking different levels yeah, of intensity, yeah, aren't absolutely. we? Absolutely. Yeah. If he hadn't I, won I'm the league sure. this year, he wouldn't have been in a job, Rob. And that is a huge pressure yeah. itself. And get in against a Celtic team who had won 12 trophies out of 12. Yeah, for Callum Davidson, a top six finish would have been enough yeah. to, to keep him in the job That's for next season. Saying, uh, he yeah, didn't need to win either of the Cups. Greg's just saying that there was pressure on both managers. I just think Callum Davidson, you know, you're going in and playing at Ibrox and you go into extra time and I don't think there's any, really a pressure. He, no. he was just saying, look, with everybody expecting us to get beat, you know, we've scored, the goalkeeper's come up, we scored last kick of the game. You know, there's great spirit, great character within that group. That would have satisfied him more. But I don't think, in terms of pressure going into the cup competitions, no, no, he'd have felt an no. awful lot of pressure. He's gone saying, go and embrace it. Go and yeah. embrace these finals. You've got mm. a chance to create a little bit of history yeah. for our football club. But in terms of pressure... No, I'm talking about the pressure of him managing. It's his first season. Yeah. If you just spoke to Callum Davis in October... 10 games in and he's bottom of the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. particularly after the start the pressure, he had, yeah. But I, I think I, he'd have told you there was yeah. pressure. Yeah. <laughs> you know I, mean? I still and, think and actually, he'd have had a group to get out of that sticky situation yeah. that he started I didn't with. think they would have ended up what they've done. No, I don't care no, what anybody no, says. You're not going to listen to team. You know what I mean? No. In yeah. October, you said, by the way, you'll finish fifth, you'll be in Europe and you'll win two cups. He'd have said, no chance. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know... Because he was feeling a bit of pressure at that yeah. time. There I was... love the celebration as well, by the way. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. Which was copied by uh, Barry Ferguson well, in, the, in the Celtic. He doesn't drink. Yeah. Who? Callum Davidson. Does he, does he not, not drink at all? Doesn't drink. No. Well, I'll tell you what. When so he to, start... do that, to do that sober was a brilliant achievement. I had no excuse for it, really. He his head off the door at the other end. When I know. He I, know. I felt that. Like well. I, I, kept, I kept replaying it and feeling yeah. the thud <laughs> as his head hit the, the dressing but room wall that, at the other that end. That just told you about the togetherness with that group. It wasn't yeah. it the camaraderie yeah. and, and, and the respect between the players and the manager? Yeah. The mm. players will have appreciated what he's done for them, getting them into a shape in an organisation and knowing the rules and see, uh, knowing the rules and seeing the time he's put into coaching them. And then he will respect them for taking it on board and going out and implementing the game plan time after time. So mm-hmm. there's a real uh, mutual respect and it works. We were talking uh, about the, the big letdown for Kilmarnock in terms of their performance in the, the playoff final. Um, they were emphatically beaten by, by Dundee. Hibs have got to be really disappointed because Hibs would have been most, despite what St. Johnston had achieved already in the League Cup and, and what they'd done in this second half of the season, um, Hibs with the firepower they had up front I think mm. best part of 50 goals between the front three mm. Hibs were expected to certainly offer a whole lot yeah. more than they did I mean I mean, they they really went down with barely a whimper in that yeah. final Boyle, Nisbet, Doidge of course um, the Christian Doidge the, the centre four we get mixed up between Doig and Doig, yeah. Doig these days but uh, no we, you know we spoke about it and with with St. Johnson as well having had one cup you know in the bag you know, he might just have thought, well, you know, I'm not saying they were arrested on their laurels at all because Callum Davis obviously but, had them right up to go and win both cups. But who wants it more? But, but Hibs were, I thought they were disappointed. Yeah. I really did. I think, um, I thought St. Johnson had, uh, I think they had the lion's share of of, of the ball. Um, I thought they passed the ball better in certain areas. Um, and for Hibs, who've had a brilliant season, for me, finishing third in Europe above Aberdeen, mm. You know, I think Jack Ross went out in the semi-final as well, by the way, of the of the League Cup. Yeah. So to have reached another final, I, I don't think his job will, will be anywhere near. One or two whispers today that John Hughes has left um, Ross County, you know, linked with Hibs, blah, mm. blah, blah. I can't see them uh, changing at Hibs because I think Jack Ross, 
went down to Sunderland, didn't do maybe so well. Won the won the championship at Saint Mirren. He, you know, he, he's done very well in yeah. in his management no, early I, on. But I, th- I think his job yeah. is, is yeah. safe. But but I think it it must be a big letdown when you mm-hmm. get so close in the cup competitions and you have the sort of quality they have in the attacking positions. Uh, to, to come out of it with nothing, nothing in the way yeah. of trophies will be disappointing I well, think, when you talk Hibs. about Hibs Rob and the pressure that would have been on Hibs playing St Johnson there would have been a lot more pressure on Hibs to, to deliver the Scottish Cup because mm. St Johnson have already had the one cup so maybe they played with that little bit more freedom Possibly. St Johnson yeah. you know that freedom makes a bit of a difference yeah. where Hibs are going in they've not won it since 2014 Alan Stubbs we saw 16, the celebrations 16, been, 2016, 16, sorry. Yeah. we saw the celebrations you know, and the fans and everything else and all singing Sunshine All Leith and magnificent, you know, yeah. the Hibs fans that day. Um, Maybe St Johnston are just a better all-round unit because, they, they because Hibs, quality, Hibs quality is all yep. at the front end. Yep. They struggle defensively, whereas St Johnston, yeah, it's it's based on mm-hmm. that, that back three which gives nothing away yep. and it, everyone knows his role in that team. In your big games, and that's cup finals and, and playing against the old firm, your top players have to turn up and perform. And I think their, t- their three best players this season have arguably been Doyle, Nisbet and Martin Boyle. Yeah. And none of them produced anywhere near <coughs> the kind of quality they have throughout mm. the season. Is that pressure? Is that just because the opposition were better than them? Probably. You know, they tried, they put plenty of effort in, but they lacked quality mm. when, they, when it really mattered. And those players will have a huge regret over the summer. That will stick in their gut because it's the last game of the season, but because they know they massively underperformed, not just those three, the rest of the team. I thought Ryan Portis, he got done early on, he went, the, he went in the try and win a ball, he was never going to win, get put over his head, and Chris Keane should have done better early on in the game. And I think from then yes. on, it spooked him out a little bit. His decision-making is touch. He's a young man trying to make his way in the game. And I think Josh Doig actually released a, a, a tweet today after he was named in the Scotland Under-21 squad. He said, I will learn from the weekend. It was a tough one for me to take. I'm a young man trying to make me win the game. I'll only get better. Something along, mm. paraphrasing along that. And he knows he was done for the goal. What, yeah. You know, shoulders were closed. No idea where Sean... Didn't, didn't get off the ground, did he? Was. Well, Sean really didn't allow him to. No. Plus his body position, he just opened up to see where he was. Small things. But in big games, the small things make a difference. And I just felt, particularly their front three, who have been terrific all season long, but when their manager and their club and the supporters needed something special... You know, they lacked inspiration, they lacked the spark, they lacked belief. Martin Boyle, I've never seen him as quiet. I can't remember yeah. a game where he didn't really do anything. There, was, know, also so a di- a there was also a dive, I think we could have done without, to yeah. be honest. Well, that, that, unfortunately, that's something that's became part of his game throughout the season. You know, those times he has been kicked and the three kicks haven't been given, but I think referees have certainly cottoned on to it. That's mm. what he, yeah. you know, is certainly capable of doing. But as an individual and as a player, I think he's had an amazing season. He really, really has had a good season. But I think, you know, that one game alone, he'll look back and think, could I have done more? And the question now, of course, uh, on the St Johnston uh, side of the fence is: Will Callum Davidson still be the manager next season? <laughs> is he, you know, I mean, he just ain't going to improve on what he's done this season, obviously. Uh, but he's going to lead them into Europe, and and it sounds very much as if he he's going to do that. But he's going to be a manager in big demand. There's so much time, and so much can, can happen very quickly, John, can't it? In the transfer yep. market, both for players and managers, in this spell we're getting into right now, and lots of clubs will not have failed to notice what Callum Davidson's done. Here on a very small budget. Yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, I think St Johnson will get some interest from from other clubs. Um, but I also like the fact as well. If if Callum Davidson was to stay, um, St Johnson gave him his break. You know, mm. they gave him the opportunity yeah. to manage. I know we worked with um, Tommy Wright, Tommy Wright for several years, and it would be nice. It would be nice for you know that loyalty to be you know shown. But but that, that doesn't happen. No. 
Callum might well decide to stay. Credit to him, great. Fans will love it. Yeah, and it might but not be about loyalty just, anyway. It might just be about a good offer. Yeah, yeah good offer. But you know, players when when you're not doing so well, clubs clubs will sell you. They don't mm. want they, they don't show loyalty then. No. All of a sudden, yeah. when you're doing well, they want to keep you. You know, they want to stop your big move. Sometimes, yeah. you know, the the bigger clubs go into other bigger clubs. Um, but as you say, yeah, I, I, I would imagine there will definitely be interest because what he's done is remarkable and he's. He's shown a great temperament, you know. He, tactically, he's gone up against good sides and and matched them. Um, he would have learned a lot doing his doing his uh, cutting his teeth. Yeah. And, and but he also hasn't went. managed in front of the St. Johnson fans yet. That's true. Do you know what yeah, I mean? That's Sean, incredible. Sean Rooney's the same club legend. Yeah. Yet he's never yeah. played in front of any St. Johnson fans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know because there's nobody in the stadium. He yeah. scored. That was an incredible start of the weekend. Was he scored the League Cup winning goal in the 32nd minute yeah. and the Scottish Cup goal in the 32nd yeah. minute. Yeah. It was on, into uh, the same net. Absolutely incredible. incredible. Not, many, incredible. not many scored in both finals. Oh, do you, do you know anyone? <laughs> well, <laughs> not, not quite the winner, but yeah. <laughs> in the same season. In the same season. I mean, I'm not sure. Ah, there you go. Let's just drop you the humility. Be, you'd be sure, John. Uh, you'd humble, be sure. I'm humble. I think uh, you know that. Absolutely. <laughs> Couple of legends in the, the studio. News at six on the way, and another hour of football chat. I'm joined now by Gary from OPC Energy. Gary, what a job you did out there today. Oh, it was it was unbelievable. You saw the customers' faces when that boiler went in. It was a really special moment. And what about the overall performance? Unreal. You, you could really feel the heat out there. I'm delighted with the result and we move on to the next one. Thanks, Gary. Come on! For more information on boiler upgrades, heat pumps and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. Get ahead of the game with OPC Energy. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. A lot easier when you open the microphone, I'll tell you. It's good to have you with us on Tuesday's edition of the Go Radio Football Show. Well, they may not have announced uh, a new manager, a replacement for Neil Lennon. It's been quite a while, but Celtic did today announce uh, their first team uh, pre-season arrangements uh, for, uh, well, leading towards next season with a training camp lined up uh, and a number of games as well. And uh, Davy Moyes, West Ham uh, is uh, one of the teams lined up, Crags, to be heading up to Celtic Park ahead of next season. You've got a list of some of the yeah. games I think that have been lined up. Yeah, I think there's one on the 7th of July. Uh, there's no team penciled in for that just now. The 10th of July, they play Charlton. 14th of July, they play Bristol City. The 17th of July, they play Preston. And then the 24th of July, which will be the following Saturday after they have already played their first competitive fixture. That's the 20th or 21st of July is their Champions League qualifying game, isn't it? Tuesday to Wednesday that week. So the 24th of July against West Ham will be uh, in between the Champions League League qualifiers, the two of them. So uh, all I need now is a manager, Rob, and that'll be it sorted. They've got everything else. They've got pre-season. They've got a squad there. I, I don't know whether it's good enough. I don't know who will stay, but... There's players out, all they need now is a manager in charge. A manager and fans in the ground <laughs> and everything will be fine and dandy again. And apparently a, a, a summer training camp down in Wales, John. Yeah, good was, choice, great was, choice. was Celtic are describing as a state-of-the-art, world-class training facility mm. in Wales. Do you know it? Yeah, I can only imagine it would be the Cardiff City um, training ground. They, they share it with the Cardiff Blues, um, the rugby team there. Uh and it is magnificent. You've got the Vale of Glamorgan uh, by the by the side of it, which has got the big spa, hotel rooms, um, and obviously the pitches are magnificent as well. Um, You're not on commission, are you? 
No, not quite, Rob. You're no. getting all glassy-eyed. He's a swan, there. isn't he? John's that, a swan. He's not that, that's, that's obviously that's the one I, I'm thinking of in in South Wales. There in Cardiff, where, where, where Cardiff actually trained. It is state of the art. It's outstanding. Um, but still, then, but you, still but you, no you, manager. No, but you've got the Celtic Manor as well, of yeah, course, which is another true. beautiful hotel. I like the sound of that. In 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 the south. Um, you know, but then you've got Aberystwyth, which is a university. Maybe they could go there. They've got great facilities as well. So I don't know, but my guess would be if, if they come out of that state of the art, it might just be uh, the Vale of Glamorgan, which is a fantastic venue. You're listening to the Welsh Tourist Board on uh, Go Radio Glasgow's <laughs> Knowledge, <home>. Rob. <laughs> I know exactly. Did you miss any? No. It's, it, all sounded really, it all sounded really nice. Actually, I was all set to but go. I got, the, they play on the 7th of July. Yeah. Just not forget the Euros. The final is on the 11th of July as well. So there'll still be... Are you saying Scotland might have an interest in that? <laughs> no, but there's other players that play outside of Scotland I know, in the squad. I know, you know, I know. Is there? No. No. Lyndon Dykes? But, no, these are Australian. They're not there, are they? No, don't worry about it. It was, <laughs> no, it was potentially but, a good but point. But the, the Euros are, are, still, Euros yeah. are still going there. Yeah. When will the... When will the um, the European qualifiers take place well, earlier. That's what, well, Celtic start on the twentieth, Tuesday the twentieth, or Wednesday the twenty-first of July. It's when their first game will be. Right, so the pre-season friendlies yeah. will come before well, that. But well, and then that's what I'm saying. But the West Ham one will come after their first competitive game. That will be on the Saturday after their first competitive game, and ahead of their second competitive game, which will be the second leg of the Champions League qualifier. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to be sorted out, John, and yeah, still, no still no manager in place. But is it? We're only an announcement away, obviously, from Eddie Howe mm. being unveiled, and you can only imagine uh, there's lots going on behind the scenes. Uh, presumably, by the time he's unveiled, you would hope Celtic will be unveiling a few player signings as well. Yeah, well, where do we start about this? This has been the longest ongoing sort of chat that you, <laughs> Go Radio have had, you know, mm. in the last six weeks. It's every time we come on, we mention it. It's the big story. It's the biggest story, really. Celtic have to appoint a manager. You know, we have to look at what he's going to bring in, his staff, what ideas he's got, um, who he's letting go, who he's going to bring in with him, uh, what type of budget has he got. Um, we've mentioned, you know, until we blew in the face now, um, about the potential players that, that could move on. Ryan Christie, a year or is it out of contract, Christie? No, he's got a year left. Got a year left. Christopher Ayer, the same. There's loan players, I would imagine, Laxell, John Joe Kenny. There's yeah, they're all going back, aren't they? And Duffy's gone already. Um, Edward might leave. Uh, other players might, might ask to leave. Scott Brown's gone. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day... Um, I don't even know. I want to try and stay positive for the Celtic fans that are listening, but but a lot of the Celtic I, fans I, who phone the show are you know anything yeah, but, but positive. But, but I'm feeling a bit, possibly a little bit sceptical about is this happening? Is it going to happen? Because um, there's you know they talk all the time that Bournemouth now obviously they're out of the the Championship mm. final. Brentford play Swansea at the weekend at Wembley, so there's no. There shouldn't be any issues now with Bournemouth. If there was still links or whatever, they go up, potentially going to go into the Premier League or stay in the Championship. You know, they, they, they're staying in the Championship. Uh, I couldn't understand that one anyway, to be yeah. honest, the Bournemouth stuff. He's left Bournemouth over two years ago. Why would he still no, be? He only left I, last I, summer. So, eh? He left last, last summer. summer. No, he was what's it called? Took over, didn't he? Um, he took over in the summer. After him, didn't have to... After the season finished, so there's only been one season. This has only been one season, but also I think and they've lost their manager, yeah, Tisdale. No, is it uh, Bournemouth? No, Jason Tyndall. Tyndall was well, it was well. Jonathan Woodgate's taking the team now. He wasn't 
Yeah. He, he took the team. But I think it was in his contract. He was still getting paid by the club. Mm. So it was still in his contract as he was a paid employee as, as the manager still, effectively. How do you know that, salary. Well, that was the talk coming out that if they got promoted, he was on a bonus. So he wasn't walking away from it. Yeah. And the club weren't going to pay him off. And that's why Celtic and haven't why, been able to announce But you know him. what? The Celtic fans mm. and don't really care about that. No. They care about their club. You know, and, and it's now, again, you're, I'm going by talk today, mm. and one of the papers saying that uh, the Celtic have approached for Stephen Purchase and Simon Weatherstone, mm -hmm. I think, as, as, yeah. as, as potential coaches and Richard Hughes. So what happens if Bournemouth say, no, they're not leaving? Yeah. Does Eddie Howe then say, well, I'm not coming? So does that mean as well John Kennedy's away? Well, I, that's, there's so many questions. Yeah. Because if, if Eddie Howe was, if he was wanting the job, he takes the job. Mm. But if he's taking the job on the premise that those two come with him, and Bournemouth say, no, you're not, and they decide they're not coming, then where does that leave Celtic? Yeah, and, and one, of the, what I mean? one of the big questions that the Celtic fans are asking is, if this is true, and, and, and it seems to be true that, that Eddie Howe has still been on the payroll uh, for, the, for the last year with, with Bournemouth, why Celtic just didn't buy him out? Well, yeah, was it such a, an exorbitant sum of money I would imagine that couldn't it must have been, have been bought out? I mean, what is the, what's the money, 150, 160 million? Possibly more for getting promoted? Mm. So if you're on 10% of that... Well, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Suddenly you're talking 15, 16 million. But, Celtic, but I'm going to go and pay that. But, it, but it's hampered Celtic big well, time. hugely. Absolutely huge. So, so was he the wrong choice well, in that respect? Because, like, because you're actually trying to hire somebody who's or, or well, effectively still in well, another job. He's putting more pressure on himself. Because Celtic fans don't care what's happening to Bournemouth. All they want is a manager in charge and they want to win games. So there's no settling in period when you come to Celtic. The minute you take over that job, your first game, your first competitive game, your first qualifying game, you have to win. You've got to have progression. You've got to move forward. And his, he's narrowing down his room for error because of the timing yeah. and of getting players in, building the squad, moulding the team. I mean, again, there's another one. John spoke about Edward and about Christie and about Ayer potentially going. What happens if Eddie House says, no, I want them to stay? Mm. The Celtic board saying, no, well, we have to sell them because we need to get the value for money. Well, no, I want to keep them for the one year. I don't care about the money at the end of it. I mm. want my best players. So suddenly then there's conflict all over the place and all these things could have been ironed out if he'd been appointed what, months yeah. ago. Yeah, but I can understand why, if legally... There is a clause with Bournemouth, and he is on that bonus if Bournemouth were to go up. It's lasted this long. So for Celtic to have made an approach, then they may well face the courts then because they made an, a, you know, a, a wrong approach yeah. when he's still on the payroll. Yeah. So I can understand, but it's frustrating, yes, but as a football club, Celtic clearly want to do things right. They don't want to make a big announcement and then have talks... And the talks break down. As Craig's just said, talks may break down about players he wants to keep. You know, Celtic may be thinking, well, we need to cash in on these guys to give you the money that we get from the sales to, to bring in more players. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's, there's lots of ifs and buts. I'm like every other Celtic fan. I, I would love uh, uh, Eddie Howe to become the next Celtic manager. But there is no doubt been a, been a hold-up. And there's reasons for these hold-ups, in my opinion. There's something that has enabled Celtic well, it needs to, to, be explained, to not make doesn't it? that yeah. approach uh, or to have talks even because Eddie Howe, if he's still contract in any shape or form to Bournemouth, you've got to be legally then right in terms of what or type of... Or you would of, seek permission, you'd approach the club and say, can we speak these type of things. We don't know actually yeah. what... We're all surmising, you know, what yeah. actually but, goes on But that's what the delay's club. doing. Yeah, this has been great, by yeah. the way, because no, every week it's filling a lot of airtime as well. It's brilliant. <laughs> but that's, but, it's, but, but that's you, what the delay is doing. We're all frustrated. The delay you know, is yeah. making people question and try and seek answers. 
That's what it's trying to do. And I tell you what, see when he sits for his first press conference, I would imagine mm. the first question from one of the journalists would be, so why did it take so long? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it's bound to be. And it's got way, to be. And see if he doesn't give the right answer. The next one I'll ask the same thing. Yeah. And they'll keep going and they'll ask it in different ways. Yeah, but until what, if they he work says, out, what if he says, I wasn't legally able to speak to Celtic till June the 18th or 20th or whatever? Then the press just go, all right, no. fine. No more questions then. No, no chance. They will be. They will go and go until they get yeah. the answer they yeah, want. Well, Don't worry yeah, about and, that. And the Celtic fans need an answer. Answer. They deserve an answer. They want transparency in this. They want that question answered about why this has taken so long. And we've been talking about pressure on managers in the show, and Craig's has just touched on it. This really ups the ante for for Eddie Howe, doesn't it? The fact that this has taken so long, it's been so painstaking and painful for the for the Celtic supporters when he's finally in place. He's got to come up with lots of answers, not just why is this taking so long, but what have you been doing in the meantime? What is the Celtic recruitment department being doing in the meantime? Because if they're starting from scratch, they are way behind. This is a unique situation for a club like Celtic that there's nobody in charge yet. And what are we? How many weeks are we before the start of the the European playoffs and pre-season friendlies start yeah. of the well, official we're just, season we're mapping it out now I mean, it's, it's unique it's not far it's around the corner six, over six the, seven weeks yeah. in the last sort of ten years even longer if you like you know Martin O'Neill was in place uh, Ronnie Dylo Gordon Strachan was in place Neil Lennon was announced after the after the, the one there they beat Hearts in the cup final so they've had people in place they've been able to Organise and you know and, and get their teams around them and things like that and the board are happy with the decisions they've made at this moment in time the reason I'm saying this is a unique situation is because there is so much work to be done yeah on all fronts and they still haven't got a manager and they still at this moment in time they might have one he might have signed a contract I don't know mm. but it's just messy it's yeah. just become a little bit messy and every just wants a bit of clarity there's, there's no manager there's no director of football at the yeah. moment. There's, there's, chief scout. there's no head of football operations no. or effectively head of recruitment, which was what Nicky Hammond was doing yeah. with Celtic. So what's happening there? What's happening in that department? Is the recruitment process continuing? Because that's a long-term thing, isn't it? I mean, yeah. we were talking about Ryan Christie having a year left on, on his contract. These are things that have to be planned years yes. ahead. You don't want to be caught out with a, with a player no. who, whose value is going to go through the floor because basically there's not long well, enough left on his contract. Well, I think it will be dropping. I think the the fees that Celtic could have got last summer for Ryan Christie, Odson Edward and uh, Christopher Iyer would have been a lot higher than what it will be this year. One, because of the year left in the contract and two, they didn't have great seasons. Mm. So suddenly their values depreciate in any way. So they will want some sort of return on their investment. But also Eddie Howe and whoever he brings in as his head of recruitment, he will be shopping in a different market than what he has done at Bournemouth for the last four or five seasons in the Premier League. Because the wages are extravagant. He was buying players for 20 million, 25 yeah. million. Mm. Guys who weren't established first team players at other clubs. Mm. And I would imagine getting 50, 60, 70,000 pounds a week. Now, I'm, I may be talking out of turn, but I would imagine that's the kind of figure they yeah. were getting. Mm. Celtic aren't paying that kind of money. Transfer fees or wages. So suddenly the market you're shopping in are players you've pinpointed. You're thinking, I can't sign them. Because Celtic can't afford the money to go and pay that. They don't have the riches of the Premier League. So he's going to have to shop in a different market. He's going to have to look for, for loan signings. He's going to have to look for... Uh, uh, value for money like Joe Rebo coming in a, a, a cross-border transfer Craig, you're there's right. so much to do you're right he will be shopping in a different market but also he will need a certain amount of funds we had Willie well, Oki on a couple of do. weeks ago and we were talking and you know the, the talk was it's maybe 30 million 
that's going to take for to get the right type of player to pay the right wages to maybe keep one or two players. Thirty million for one there. player? You're talking about? I'm just saying that was the figure that's going to thirty million so transfer. Although you're saying in a shopping in a different market, I get that. Yeah, it mm. won't be able to play the eighty eighty thousand pounds a week physically. Can't tell they can't and won't they refuse to do that? Mm. But in terms of bringing in players of quality you're going to have to spend some money yeah, he's going to have to have a decent sized budget but, but I get what Craig is saying this is a major adjustment for Eddie Howe yeah. because he's been yeah, used to maybe, maybe paying maybe paying 30 million for one player suddenly yes. 30 millions maybe got to get you four or five yes absolutely and that's my point Celtic will have to spend some money you know and hopefully they, they might even um, you know they might even get that money in terms of transfers they might have to sell a couple of players yeah, you think naturally to, to, mm. to give Eddie Howe that money. Uh, and Eddie Howe, he come in and say, well, right, we need to get rid of that one. I've got my eye on this particular player. Because he'll have players. He's, he's been around watching games yeah. while he's been out to Bournemouth. He'll have his eye on a few players yeah. going into a new job. Naturally, because he's, he's a professional guy, you know. Mm. He's, a, he's somebody that's well-respected in the management game. So... Hopefully, hopefully we'll you know we'll we'll get some sort of. You also remember Celtic have spent over thirty million in the last three transfer windows. Yeah. You talk about Albany Yeti and Clamalla and Barkas and Ball and Goalie, Sheen Duffy and Loan. So that's what they've got for thirty Max million. And you're not going to get expensive. So that's what they've got for the thirty yeah, million. Yeah. That's what they've got. You're not going to get fortunes either, by the way, for Aya and Christie for the no, sim- for the no, simple reasons they got a year in their contract yeah. clubs might just go tell you what we'll sit for six right. months and their value's gone by, down because by, of the Celtic season by yeah. January I think we can officially then approach the player we can actually approach those representatives and why pay 10-15 million for that player what he's worth with a year left in his contract when we can speak to the player in six months and potentially game for nothing it's a high pressure job yeah. for Eddie Howe um, and the pressure is just upped considerably because of the season Celtic have had they're they're in chaos really you would say in terms of their their football um and you know it, it's a whole new team to be rebuilt mm-hmm. and there are very few pieces that would be definitely in the jigsaw yeah. at this stage well they're playing catch up you know it, it's difficult enough coming in to take one of the old firm teams when it when you're competitive with your opposition but Celtic are behind at this minute in time, Rangers are a well-oiled machine. They know they're they're picking two or three players to bring in. Celtic are bringing in 12, 13 possibly to try and get a losing three or four, having to build, losing that leadership of Scott Brown. So there's so much on the back of a poor season, you know, and, and with all these relationships to build with, you know, uh, the, the chief executive, the new director of football, head of recruitment, everything. It's a huge well, job. Don't say Massive. too much, Crank, because Eddie's listening. <laughs> and we put him off coming. Like, right. you know. If he doesn't Let's know that, positive, positive, know. come on, Ed, we've got I'll plenty of money to spend. Yeah. Wait until on. he loses his first game at Celtic Park. Desmond's going to give you 50 million, Eddie, by the way. Come on, mate, we need you. I take what you're saying, John. I mean, yes, obviously, Eddie Howe will be arriving with players in mind that he wants to sign. But it's one thing signing players, and it's another thing turning them into a team. Especially yeah. when you're facing up to a Rangers side who this season have been so far ahead. They have been, and Celtic have to respond. They have to respond. First, first thing they can do is bring in the manager of Eddie Howe's ilk. Uh, trust him with the money. He's worked in the Premier League. Um, he's renowned for playing on the front foot. Plays good attacking football. All right, they got relegated at Bournemouth under his watch. Um, but that's the first thing they have to do. Then they have to assemble a staff. And then give him the funds and allow Eddie Howe to go and work his magic, trust in him, and hopefully they'll be competitive next year, Celtic. And and they have to, they have, they will, the, the fans will demand, you know, they get closer, certainly, 
the Rangers. They didn't want the league. They want the league back. They want to claw the, the league title back and take it back. Is to that realistic? Park. Is that realistic, John? If if it's done right and they bring in the right type of player and the, and the funds are there, Celtic still have, by the way, some quality players on, on you know in their in their ranks. Not going to lose absolutely single everybody. They're going to lose a few. Um, and if it's done right and Eddie Howe he does what you know Martin O'Neill did and wins in his first season and other managers potentially get to do, uh, managers have done. Then you know, but it's a tall order. I think Rangers will start favourites, as Craig said. They got momentum, twenty-five points. By the way, that that's that's not even close. That was a thrashing. That was humiliating for Celtic, and they know that, and they, they'll want to they'll want to respond. So the pressure will certainly be on Eddie Howe. It's how, and it's when, and it's surely soon. The Go Radio Football Show, talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. So Kilmarnock's relegation was confirmed last night at Rugby Park. It really was a horror show for those uh, 500 Killy fans uh, who are back in the ground, back in their favourite place, but uh, it didn't make for great viewing for them. Uh, Last night, they relegated Dundee, promoted Dundee, take their place in the top 12. Really good performance from James McPeak and his team. Uh, Today, the England squad was named uh, one of Scotland's opponents, of course, at the upcoming Euros. Uh, 20 days it is till Scotland against the Czech Republic at Hamden. How does that sound in front of 12,500, who hopefully will sound like a whole lot more. So England uh, have named their squad today. Dean Henderson, Sam Johnston, Jordan Pickford, Aaron Ramsdale, John Stones, Luke Shaw, Harry Maguire, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Kyle Walker, Tyrone Mings, Rhys James, Connor Cody, Ben Shilwell, Ben Godfrey, Kieran Trippier, Ben White, Mason Mount, Declan Rice, Jordan Henderson, Jude Bellingham, Calvin Phillips, Jesse Lingard, James Ward-Prowse, Harry Kane, Marcus Rashford, Raheem Sterling, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Phil Foden, Jack Grealish, Mason Greenwood, Ollie Watkins, Jaden Sancho and Bukayo Saka. Crags, how does it sound? Easy. Scotland will take care of that. If Scotland don't go to Wembley and win against that squad, they'll be hugely disappointed. (laughs) Those are 33 names, of course, and it it is going to get cut back. I I mean, there's real quality about it, but it has to come together into 11 players at Wembley against Scotland in, in one ninety minutes, John. Every chance for Stevie Clark and his team? Definitely, 100%. Um, I think Scotland will be competitive. They'll, they'll be well set up, um, Steve Clark, uh, and, and I think they can produce a shock. I really do. They'll have fantastic support. Um, I always think England are overrated anyway. Everybody builds them up to, to, you know, to be win tournaments or get to finals. Yes, they had a good World Cup. They lost, was it semi-final against Croatia? Semi-final. Yeah, they got the semi-final. That's what's kept Gareth Southgate in a job. The fact that they got to the semi-final. But previously, they, they, they were knocked out in the group stages in 2016 at the Euros. Uh, did, did they lose to Iceland or something yep. like that? Some yep, terrible right. results, yeah. So they build them up. Build them up all the time. Yeah. Well, they, I think Harry Maguire, he'll be a big loss if he doesn't go. He, mm. We just saw pictures of him with a, with a cast on his leg. Mm. Um you know they're heavily reliant on Harry Kane again. You know because he's he's a terrific player. No, he may well leave Spurs, but saying that he's got three years left on his contract. So whoever comes in and, and pays that out, they have to pay his contract out as well, which will be serious amounts of money. But I believe at 28, he's he's still very very 
um, you know, in terms of one of the best strikers in the world. Mm. He's one of the most sought after, you know, with the likes of Mbappé and Haaland and Lewandowski, these guys. So, yeah, they've got quality, but Scotland have also got a great quality in their team. So yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if they're getting England a right good game and beat them. It's a, it's a star-studded England squad, but yeah. then it was a star-studded England squad that came to Hamden for the yeah. for the Lee Griffiths game where we were yeah. a, a late Harry Kane goal away from beating yeah. them. I think England will be based on you know individuals who can win the game. I think Scotland's game plan will be, uh, as it has been under Steve Clark, is the unit, the organisation, the structure... And when you play against the top teams, you know, John and I both played certainly international football against top teams, you have to carry a threat. You still have to keep them honest. And that's what Scotland will have to get that balance right of being organised, being hard to play against, being well-structured, but still in being brave enough to then go and, and, and have some sort of impact at England's back line, whether it's a back three or a back four that they play. So, um, listen, they, they have the top quality players. We can't get away from that. You know, if it's not working, they can make changes. They can bring more players on. And you only look at Foden and Rice and Keane and Mount or Rashford. Yeah, but if you look you know, at them names, cracks too much. You put you off. Yeah, of course, you, they do. So, you can always so you show them too much plan. respect. Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. And listen, everything's favoured towards England in, in, in the uh, Euros. I think they play every game at Wembley if they get to the final. You know, so that's another big advantage as well, playing in their home stadium. But Scotland will go. I think they'll, you know, they'll be hard to play against. They'll be frustrated. Who's Scotland's first game? Croatia. Czech Republic. Czech Republic. So they really, you know, they need to get something out of that game. You can't be going to Wembley well. needing to beat England. If you can get three points against Czech Republic, John saw them recently against uh, Wales and they're yep. very, very good. And we saw a lot of the Slavia Prague players will play. Um, uh, Provod was the guy we, we spoke an awful lot about. So if Scotland can manage to get a win against the Czech Republic and go to Wembley and really shut up shop, be hard to beat, horrible to play against and carry that threat of Che Adams and and uh London and the Dikes. Dikes, yeah. then you just never well, know. I think Scotland as well are, are capable of producing, you know, big big wins and big moments in you know against certain international, you know, teams. And I think the feeling, John, is that Scotland are on the way up. I mean, yeah. we've we've been way down. Yeah. Uh, and I think right, now you know, you've not qualified for a major tournament for I don't know how many 23 years, years. Twenty three years. You know, during that time, you've had some fantastic results. You remember the, the James McFadden re, mm. the goal in Paris and the Gary Caldwell goal at Hamden last yeah. minute type of thing. Um, so, you know, you're capable. You've got real good quality in, in the team. You know, you look down that left-hand side, Robertson and, and, and Tierney. Tierney. Uh, I think through the middle, you know, you've not got somebody you could call a world-class striker. You know, uh, for me, Jay Adams is coming no. through at Southampton. We're, Lin- we're, we're in a hell Dykes. of a lot better situation than we were. Yeah, but <laughs> Linden, like what I'm saying is, over the, Scotland have always had a magnificent centre forward. Yeah. You know, somebody, I'm going back many years, mind you, but. Um, I think Dykes and Adams, uh, that sounds to me like it could work. I mean, the. the I said the, it previously, Rob, and people said, no, I don't think the two of them will play together. Mm. I think if you're going to play 3 5 2, the two of them have to play together because the two of them right up top occupies a back four. You know, if you go with one up top and one in behind, full backs can get free. Centre halves are quite easy depending against a single striker. If you have two of them right up top who are aggressive, who can run, who work ever so hard, you have to try and put some sort of doubt into the opposition's mind. And I think by having two aggressive out and out <coughs> strikers, when you're under pressure, you can go long, you can get up to them. You then need someone like John McGinn who's got the energy to go and join in from behind. Sounds the good, sounds good to me. Robertson's. Honestly, that, that, that's the way it has to be. You've yeah. got to be a really, you've got to be the hardest team to play against. Steve Clark can certainly master that, but it's incredible just looking at some of the players. I mean, John's talking 23 years since they qualified. Some of the players who didn't make it to a major tournament who had such a big impact for Scotland James McFadden, Scott Brown, Darren Fletcher, 
um, Alan McGregor. Yeah. You know, top yeah. class players. Yet these players are getting a chance to go to the Euros. I can imagine if you were on that squad now waiting for it, the hype will be building, the nerves will be going. Which you think it's been a long time, and the whole country will be behind mm. him. So I think they either terrific. get. I think they'll either do really well, or they won't get a point. Because Czech Republic are a very good team. Croatia are outstanding. And we've already spoken about England. Mm. So I think it could be that type of tournament. You know, if they start out really well against the, the Czech Republic and get something, you know, that you've got to start off with a little bit of momentum. It's very different to come back when you lose yeah. that first game. Um, if you can start and then obviously get something and rely on one or two other results in the group to go your way, then, you know, you obviously got a chance. But I think that that could be Scotland's tournament, if you like. Yeah. They may qualify, produce some magnificent results against good teams, or they might end up with I think in Euro no 2016, qual- some groups had three teams qualify for the second round. Yeah. Because Northern Ireland came it third. It was hard not to qualify. Yeah, Northern Ireland just had to win one game. They beat Ukraine. Yeah. And they had Germany and Poland in the other two games. They lost them both by a single goal. What happened, so in, the, what happened in the last 16 now on that one? Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. But to be fair, Northern Ireland felt sorry for Wales and allowed them to progress. Oh, is that right? Sorry. <laughs> now you two. Remember being the giant tag up, me and Big Tags, we were on, we were on the radio together. Thankfully, but, uh, you're oh, socially a, distanced a and there's no chance of fisticuffs. <laughs> but talking about Scotland and talking about uh, one player who's going to be very much part of that squad and is and uh, could well be in the starting lineup against the Czech Republic as well. Stephen O'Donnell, uh, currently a Motherwell player. Um, but formerly, of course, with Kilmarnock and I had a chat with him today and he was uh, bemoaning his old team's fate as of last night. Disappointing. Kilmarnock are a far better team than they showed and that's what will disappoint the boys the most. Everybody's affected throughout the club but the fans who live and die with it, I, I feel for them getting relegated been 28 years. But I'm sure I, I heard positive things from Billy Bowie and, and the board. They're going to come back stronger, hopefully, and um, and look forward to hopefully playing against Kilmarnock next, not next season, but, but the season after. Yeah, it does sound uh, as if Tommy Wright is still going to be in place next season and that the budget will remain unaltered in the championship, uh, which gives Kelly a chance of bouncing straight back. That's certainly what they want to do, but it's been some fall from grace uh, when you think about what's happened in two years. Those pictures of Stevie Clark on the pitch celebrating uh, European football for Kilmarnock, that was just two years ago, and now relegation. Every team in Scotland, and, and I suppose you can see it with Celtic as well. Like little things can Im- impact the team, and, and sadly for Kilmarnock, it, it's, it's went negatively, and, and they've just not managed to find the form that Steve Clark had instilled in us. I think it was two years of extremely consistent performances for a, a, a side of Kilmarnock size, and it's disappointing. As I said, football changes quickly. Every decision is crucial, and just there maybe been a couple that have, that have ended up costing the club. It's been a dramatic collapse, hasn't it, Craig? Incredible, Rob. You know, you're talking about a rebuilding job. I think that it was one of the directors said last night, 23 players out of contract, only four under contract. And the ones you would look to keep, Kyle Lafrey, I can't imagine Kyle no. would want to play in the championship. Uh, Mitch Pinnock is another one who I thought has done really well. Greg Kilty will be attracting interest. Out with that, I can imagine Tommy Wright is going to have a huge job over the summer to try and bring the players in. And I think Stephen O'Donnell touched on it there. That's the most disappointing thing, that they are a better side than what they showed last night. Mm. But they just looked as if they lacked the fight. And the, the two goals really took the wind out of their sails. They couldn't respond. They huffed and puffed. They lacked the quality. And ahead of the two games, I thought, I think, I think get into the last uh, game of the season with, with Ross County down at Motherwell and, and, and Kilmarnock at Hamilton. I thought if one team is prepared physically and mentally 
and you look at the experience in the squad, the first Dundee in the playoff and beat them, I thought it would have been Kilmarnock. I was at that game at Hamilton yeah. and, and uh, Mitch Pinnock scored the goals yeah. and they they looked really good and solid and, and Tommy Wright was really confident yeah. going into the playoffs. Yeah. But over the two games, I mean, 4-2 doesn't tell the story. 4-2 no. sounds like a real doing for Kilmarnock, but actually it could have it been could, anything. It should have been over after the first leg. Yeah, You know, James McPake, I'm sure when that goal went in, Kilmarnock had the relief up at Dens Park when it was a Hunstruck got yeah. the goal they must have thought you know we've got away with one here we can get back to rugby park our home form is better than our away form we can go and you know produce a better performance and likewise James McPake as much as he was positive after the first game he must have thought I wonder is that their lifeline it was our chance tonight to go and take the game away from them and they didn't do it it couldn't have been further from the truth 12 minutes in last night it was a game set match they managed the game well Lee Ashcroft uh, who actually played in the last time Kilmarnock were in the playoffs yep. when they beat Falkirk and he was released the next day so, uh, you know, it, it, it was uh, fitting for him to go back to his he'd former He'd have enjoyed that moment, and I think he did. You know, so, uh, and, I, and I think as a team they did, and they deserved it, absolutely deserved it. Kilmarnock were awful. I think it's probably their worst performance of the season, if not yeah. the last number of seasons. And when it really mattered, that's when you learn about your players. We speak about big players stepping up. None of them stepped up last night. Reassembling that squad, John, mm. is going to be a massive job. Uh, Craig speaking there about the, I mean, basically the bulk of the, the squad is out of contract. So, I mean, I suppose on the positive side, that does give you room for manoeuvre, but they need to get the right sort of players because the players who can uh, keep, potentially keep Kilmarnock in the Premiership are, are probably different types yeah, from the I... ones you want with burning desire in the Championship to get promotion. Yeah, did I hear you say as well that Kilmarnock are keeping sticking with the budget yeah, and Tommy well, Wright? Yeah. Well, that's well, what they announced. Well, two it? things for me. That That's an outstanding gesture because generally when you go down, doesn't matter who you are, there's, there's cutbacks. Uh, so the fact that the board and the people there, the owners... I've given Tommy Wright that opportunity. That's probably persuaded them to keep Tommy Wright at the football club. Tommy's experience and his know-how is massive. He won't panic in terms of guiding Kilmarnock back up to the Premiership. And secondly, it just goes to show what a magnificent manager Scotland now have in Steve Clark. Mm. Yeah. For the job that he did, not was it three years ago he said they finished? Two, third? two, years, two, ago. two years, years ago. They yeah. were third. Yeah. You know, and the fall has been dramatic in terms of um, where they were and where they are today. Uh, so it just goes to show the job that Steve Clark did. And I would imagine the Scottish national team fans will be delighted to have somebody with that quality, you know, in charge but of their team. But also, Kilmarnock are now shopping in a different market. You're yeah. going to ask players to come to your football club. You're not a premiership club no. anymore. You're a championship club. And, and, and mm. as much as John said earlier, yes, you know, if you pay them well... But not a lot of people want to play in the second tier. No. You know, they want to play in the top flight. So there's no guarantees that Tommy will get all the players he wants. And Tommy's always been a, a top flight manager signing players for the top flight, mm. selling the dream of playing in the top flight, going to Ibrox, going to Celtic Park, getting big crowds at home. You think, right, okay. But would you want anybody you else know? in charge, Craig? No, 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 no. That's what I mean. No, I'm just saying it's difficult, he'll, he'll for, it's difficult for Tommy. And, and, but he won't panic. It's new for him. He? No, Tommy's an experienced manager. Yeah. He's got plenty of contacts, you know, in football. So it's, it's, a, a, it's a great coup for Kilmarnock to have, to have kept Tommy on yeah you, you just wonder whether complacency set in with Kilmarnock on the back of what Stevie Clark did they maybe thought that was just yeah. going to happen with a click of a button season after season uh, but the reality is I mean that the first leg of that playoff final uh, six of the Kilmarnock starting 11 were 33 or older that's yeah. that's an old team and, and they looked tired yeah, well, well when you go behind and you're chasing a game and you've got six players 33 and older in your team 
it becomes difficult to build up the energy and to get the momentum going. You know, the freshness in the legs is naturally with the team who are in front. So that's where you've got a younger, more vibrant squad. You know, they can pick something up. You've got players who can play off the cuff, who can go make something happen. But, you know, the, it, unfortunately, it, it's, it's the end of the line for that group. You know, irrespective of whether they stayed up last night or not, I think it would have been the end of the line for a yeah. lot of them and they would have been going to freshen up. Tommy Wright was just hoping and the club were just hoping they could get two performances or even one performance last night just to keep them up. Then they could go and start afresh. But, you know, you could see, I saw Billy Bowie talking last night. He looked absolutely beaten up. Mm. He really was low and down, put lots of money into the football club. You don't always get, you know, in, in football and business, sometimes you can go make your money and you can keep doing things and, and recycle. And football doesn't work like that, you know, and unfortunately they've had to take a huge hit. Talking football on Glasgow's own. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from five. Well, I had my COVID jag yesterday morning and uh, I had the vaccine and I'm seeing double. <laughs> I, I am seeing double. There are two John Hartsons in the studio. Explain yourself. It's Ray Bradshaw, Scotland's top comedian. Is that about right? I'll, I'll take that. I'll yeah. take that. Yeah. I'm Ray, just, just Ray's here. with us and uh, you're with your stunt double, basically. Yeah, just pretty much in case John wants to fake his death at any point soon. <laughs> I'm here just to kind of cover him. That's the plan. Brilliant. We have thought about it in the course of the show. Uh, <laughs> How excited are you, Ray, about the Euros? I just think that to John and Steve I'm absolutely pumped but I'm scared as well because this is the last time we qualified for a major tournament I was nine so to see us kind of be there it's going to be great it's just a shame with everything like numbers going to be lower but the fact we can still go I think it's going to be brilliant and my favourite thing about the Scottish team just now is the fact that we're doing things that Northern Ireland and Wales have done over the years and that we're mixing players from the likes of Motherwell and uh, other kind of Scottish clubs Kevin Nisbet Hibs with guys who play for Man United, Liverpool, Arsenal. So there's still that kind of things that fan can buy into. Yeah, I was having a chat earlier on actually with, with uh, Stephen O'Donnell. We were speaking about Kilmarnock yep. last night, but we were also speaking about Scotland. The Euros uh, will be playing that in the days and weeks to come. Um, and I was saying that to him, you know, he's Motherwell, Scott McTominay's Manchester United, but they seem to have that good club vibe going. It's, it's amazing. And it's so nice to see like, there's been a couple of times when Declan Gallagher and uh, Stephen O'Donnell have played phenomenal for Scotland and then get pumped 4-0 off Aberdeen on the Saturday. It's yeah, like, yeah. how does this happen? Yeah. But we'll take it every day of the week. John, what about uh, what about this good-looking guy alongside? I wish I could tell jokes like him. <laughs> <laughs> but will you, will you have a bit of work, uh, Ray, around the Euros in terms of... Um, yeah, so... Yeah. Um, uh, Sky Sports couldn't get used so they've got me so I'm quite know. looking forward to doing that uh, why would I choose yeah, yeah that's it there you go it's just nice to be humble brag there John I like that uh, no I uh, yeah hosting some stuff at the fan zones which are going to be really cool they've just been uh, they went on sale this morning so doing some comedy shows there hosting a kind of football chat show one of the days and I just I just can't wait because mm. after it seems like we qualified so so long ago like so long ago mm. and it's just kind of building up to that and we still get to be Luxembourg and the Netherlands in the yep. next couple of weeks yep. and then all ready for the 2pm kickoff on a Monday which is exactly <laughs> what you want to hear I know how good is it getting an audience back for Scotland at Hamden but for you as well with your with your stand up I can't wait I've done the amount of things I've done in the last year that I never would have done two years ago is unreal I've been doing gigs on Zoom drive-in gigs which are like imagine like, it's bad enough like you guys have done after dinner you can get heckled but imagine watching someone drive out like it's a proper <laughs> it's a proper low point yeah. so those kind of stuff have been bad but yeah comedy clubs Glasgow can't do it yet but hopefully the Glee Club in Glasgow is opening the week of the Euros 
um, just before so it might kind of come back together and it's just going to be amazing like yeah. it feels like life's returning yeah exactly tell us what you've been up to uh, in here today what have you been uh, recording something I've been recording my top five songs with Artie Joshi that's going to go out on Sunday um, so looking forward to that and uh, yeah it's just nice and I can't believe I don't know I was saying this there this is I've done quite a few radio things in my time the nicest smelling toilets of anywhere <laughs> I have ever been in my life yeah. we do have that above our logo you probably <laughs> notice yeah. I mean this should be the slogan yeah. like 100% Glasgow in the West's top toilets <laughs> are here at uh, Glasgow's own Go Radio the Go Radio football show and of course I've got two guys who are absolutely chuffed to bits that uh, Partick Thistle uh, won League One yeah. Craig's a former player of yeah. course terrific uh, you know it, it wronged a few rights yep. from last season mm-hmm. Uh, whether it fueled the fire a little bit whether you know got that burning ambition for people to go and prove the SPFL and the other clubs who voted wrong then whatever it was it worked but it was interesting because Ian McCall said we now have to try and build a team to go and win the championship not just go into the championship to compete and just hang about I think they will look at it and think if we can get a good squad together there's certainly an opportunity for the playoffs or maybe even for the you know top position so it's an exciting time and I think the fans stuck by the club they were doing 50-50 50-50 raffles for every yeah, home yeah. game and the money they raised you know they they really are a loyal bunch of supporters they've been up and down the leagues and when I was there they were League 1 then we went to Championship and then to the Premier League as it was the SPL as it was then and they've done that over the last 15-20 yeah. years up and down in yeah. successive seasons I've watched this old 20, for 25 years and I've seen us uh, promoted 5 times and relegated 4 <laughs> which yeah. says yeah. it all it's yeah, mental but, but see what you're saying about the fans 97% of fans turned down a season ticket refund so the money could go back to the club yeah, and when you're talking about for next season Zach Rudden got called up for the Scotland under 21s today yeah. so there's a good and that's a, essentially a League 1 yeah. club yeah. so there's a good core there Stuart Bannigan who is well overdue testimonial um, there's a core there and we could go on and do it or no and Thistle will yeah. potentially appoint Gary Caldwell and get relegated so <laughs> it's going to go but one of two ways I, I like Ian McCall's positivity but you look at the championship next season now you know the likes of Dunfermline Kilmarnock who we praised and Hamilton Hamilton you know you'll have the likes of Wraith and other teams you know, it's a really competitive league now yeah. next season it's been stronger previously when you think at Rangers Hibs and Hearts were in yeah. one season yeah. mm-hmm. you know and Hibs and Hearts I mean that's now all what Scotland's top six clubs our biggest six clubs are most successful back in the top flight. Yeah. So I think Thistle will be looking and thinking, you know, there's no Dundee United, there's no heart spending money, there's no Hibs. Yeah. You know, they think we've got a real chance, as will all clubs. But so you just wonder will they invest a little bit you, more? You look the other way as well, though, because most Thistle fans will also say this, that we're quite relieved to be at League One because next season, you'd imagine Falkirk are due a good season at some point, but then you've also got uh, Cove, who are big spending, and Queen's, Queen's Park, Park coming up. And Airdrie full-time. Yeah, so that could have been, mm-hmm. I think that was our one chance to get out of that division. I genuinely do because there's other times, we did it the same uh, just after Craig's left when we got relegated again, we came back up very luckily. But I think sometimes there's a chance that you look at the likes of Falkirk and other teams that have come down, you can get stuck. Well, I think you're spot on. Falkirk are stuck. You know, that was the season there when they were ahead. I mean, it was interesting. Eight points. Eight points. You know, they got manager of the month, David McCracken and Lee Miller got manager of the month in March and were sacked in early April. So it's absolutely crazy how it plays out and they just fell off the edge of a cliff. And Thistle had an incredible run towards the end of the season, but you're spot on because League One next year is going to be so hard. And so, you know, not even just a plan, but I think to predict what's going to happen. Crazy. And were you happy that Neil Doncaster was barred from the, <laughs> the title party? Well, I thought that was quite petty, to be honest. I, I Like... I would. It was amazing. So last year, when all the SPFLs happened, I was getting a bit of slagging because I never spoke out about anti-SPFL at all. And the whole reason was I was booked to do their dinner. I was going to say, I didn't that, yeah, and yeah, and then that got cancelled. I was like, oh, I've wasted five months being politically correct about this. Uh, but yeah, it was. I thought that was a little bit petty, but I can see why we did it. 
And yeah. fair play, all, that meant all the focus was off them and back onto the players who deserved it for guys like Stephen Bell coming in on loan from, uh, what was it, Kelly Hearts, I think we got him, I can't remember. No, East Kilbride. And 36 years old, playing four games a week. Like, amazing. Those guys did so, so well for us. And do you think the Jags are on a roll now, heading for the, the Premiership? Is that where That's where the Jags belong, isn't it, in the top flight? You say on a roll. The last time we were on a roll, we finished top six and then have had two relegations in three years. <laughs> so you don't really want... Uh, mediocre is fine for me. I will take sixth to yeah. ninth place every time. Actually, always, roll is short for yeah. roller coaster, isn't yeah. it? I always felt that when there was a, a feeling, being at Thistle, that they preferred to be at the top of the Championship as opposed to in the Premier League or the Premiership. Just... One, because you win more games. Yep. And two, it's easier to get about the grounds. There's not as much um, going on, you know, with the old... Fir- it's just, I think they enjoyed yeah, being and, the top of the... There's a part of that, like, I've seen John play for Celtic numerous times against this old, but also see times like New Year's Day, three years in a row, we played away to Celtic and we lost 1-0 twice. And it's just like, you, you pay 26 quid, you get a restricted view. <laughs> it's not enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. when you stay up and when you get good results, like... We beat Hearts 4-2 in one of the last games of the season to stay up in our first season there. That was incredible. Um, But it is nice having a wee away day to air, going to our growth, getting out. But if you support this, you get it every five years. It's coming to the circles. I say there, uh, Ray, when when we used to watch Celtic play Partick, it was the great John Lambie that was your manager. So yeah, good. And I've done the so many sort of characters. Did you mean? Absolutely, mental. John was there. Yeah, he used he to make us. To, honestly, there was one session we'd done down at the training ground. Tell a John Lambie story without getting us taken no, off here. No, it was just we'd done a cross and finishing session without a ball. <laughs> and the guy was going down the wing and crossed it in Jerry Britton pretended he scored and he was away celebrating and John says by the way that didn't go in that doesn't count and we were all like what and that was, we run about kidding on we're passing each other that was it's, he says it's, a, it's all visual play it in your mind and we were all like really yeah okay it's just, you he's love, a madman you love characters like that in football though, don't you like, yeah. great it just for, oh, makes it so much better. magnificent magnificent for me. it was great for a lot of players you know he used to bring players in who had a point to prove or who had been released or who were feeling down he was trying to pick them back up and he used to just go and let you play and do your stuff. But that was so nice. You were you're included in that as well. Because you were one of the guys who had a point to prove. Yeah, absolutely. And then you look All at that squad. Long. All day uh, long. Martin Hardy, you had Scott Patterson, who yeah. had career injury, injury yeah. came back. Like, oh, they were just great days. That was brilliant. And just do you have a regular it. sport, Ray? Where, where do you sit or, or stand? Uh, so I used to have a season ticket in the Jackie Husband, but now because I'm gigging all that time, I don't have a season ticket anymore. Um, I get to maybe five, six, seven games and I stand at the back of the now John Lambie stand. And uh, shout abuse at numerous players, very <laughs> <laughs> much. Yeah. Mainly our own. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Well, we played together, and and um, Chris Dillon's testimony. Oh yeah. 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 I showed him how it's done. And Sorry. Ray was absolutely awful. Oh, I was so. <laughs> I'm only I ge- no, I generally was. My first, I'm only my first touch was stopping Moravchik, not Megan May, <laughs> and my second one, uh, Tom Boyd skinned me. Oh, and then, oh no. Yeah. I went on after. Tom Boyd never skinned anybody. <laughs> What's like? If you're not, if you ever go on Wikipedia to see how old the player was that skinned you, 54. It's not a good <laughs> thing. And all my mates from the crowd just shouting at me <laughs> so much but you've I, been overtaken by Tom Boyd I was much ruder than that <laughs> but, but no it was uh, it was great and that was good we got to play against a Celtic team and uh, it was so so much fun just being out there and playing with the guys that I used to spend money watching were you nervous? no so I, I had a two week old baby so I was just very sleep deprived and that, like that day that I knew day, something affected your performance yeah, yeah, that, was was that day I uh, played for Thistle against Celtic and then went to the King's Theatre to support Frankie Boyle. 
So I was like, yeah, I remember thinking like, I'm a make a wish. <laughs> like, <what's happening? laughs> this is this is the best thing that'll ever happen to me. And it was it was so so good. But uh, Steve is right. I did play absolutely. Terribly. I was only kidding. Oh, I, I was oh. abysmal, and I've, I've thought about it every day since. Yeah, to be honest, <laughs> is it torturing you? It kind of is, yeah. Because yeah. with a gig, you can kind of go. Well, the worst thing was, uh, I am um, Massimo Donati. I was marking him at a corner. And I turned to him and I went, you smell lovely. <laughs> and he went, don't talk to me. <laughs> I was like, okay, really? yeah, yeah. And then well, Barry Robson's a psycho. I didn't know that. He was... He was like, still good, you know. He was oh, brilliant. He was, but a psycho with a high-pitched voice as well. Every 50-50. I was, oh, like, was... I was like, oh, I thought this was a friendly. He went, no such thing as a friendly. He just walked away. I was like, well, you're taking it a bit more seriously than I am. Yeah. But... I saw, you, I saw you tweeting earlier on about the, the Kelly fans uh, being back in the ground. What what terrible timing from them last night to be there uh, to watch that. So I was watching the game and I just couldn't believe the fact that they've waited 15 months to get back into the ground <laughs> and they see their team get relegated and boo them off. And it's just like, that is why Scottish football is brilliant. That is it in a nutshell. It's so, so good. I felt, I felt for them, but yeah. they were terrible. Yeah, oh, they were awful. They deserved all they got, yeah, uh, yeah. to be honest. But uh, fans back for the Euros. Um, we're really looking forward to that. It's 20 days, Ray, to nice. Scotland against the, the Czech Republic at Hamden. And uh, are you going to manage to elbow your way in? Can you find a, a reason to be inside? So I have tried so many things. So I used to host the pre-match things, mm-hmm. uh, Hamden for everything yeah. and that. And obviously with lesser fans, there's less of a need for me. So I'm like... I saw us lose to Kazakhstan. Like, let me in. I deserve to be in. Yeah, so I probably not, I think. There's a chance maybe at Wembley. But uh, I'm going to try get to anything. And I, I just can't wait to watch a football with my mates again. Yeah, like that's the biggest part of it. Well, anybody listening, if you've got a ticket for, yeah. for, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. for Ray, you know, send it yeah. in. Send well, it well it's been good to radio. talk to a genuine Scotland fan because they've, they've given me a Welshman and a Northern <laughs> Irishman <laughs> to talk about Scotland, which is pretty painful, uh, to be honest. Uh, Ray, lovely to see you. Um, we'll, look, we'll look forward to hearing uh, what you recorded earlier on and uh, look forward to seeing you back on the, on the stand-up circuit as well yep. and supporting Scotland at the Euros, which is not far away. Thanks a lot to you. Thanks to John. And thanks to Craig's as well. Paul and Barry and Davy Proven are here tomorrow live at 5. I'm joined now by Gary from OPC Energy. Gary, what a job you did out there today. Oh, it was, it was unbelievable. You saw the customers' faces when that boiler went in. It was a really special moment. And what about the overall performance? Unreal. You, you could really feel the heat out there. I'm delighted with the result and we move on to the next one. Thanks, Gary. Come on! For more information on boiler upgrades, heat pumps and more, visit opc-ltd.uk. Get ahead of the game with OPC Energy. The Go Radio Football Show. Talking football first. Listen live weeknights from 5. 5.